wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Wrestle Rant Radio for March 15th, 2018. I am Graham G.S. and Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. And as of this recording, we are 24 days out from WrestleMania 34, a little over three weeks, which is pretty amazing. Not only three weeks away from WrestleMania itself, but three weeks away from Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor, from NXT TakeOver New Orleans. And all three shows, as of right now, are looking pretty stacked. WrestleMania 34, regardless of how bad the build has been or how forgettable the build has been, the event itself could be absolutely exceptional when all is said and done. Based off what we saw at Fastlane on Sunday, Elimination Chamber a few weeks ago, and what's been set up on Raw and SmackDown in recent weeks, WrestleMania 34 could be one of the most star-studded blockbuster events in recent years. No joke. I mean, they could also take a show with such high expectations and completely turn it into a massive disappointment, (coughs) WrestleMania 27, Um, but I do have hope they will pull through with a great show on April 8th, which I cannot cannot wait any longer for. I know, again, it's only three weeks away. It's not that much longer to wait for, but still, I'm I'm pretty hyped right now. I am very much hyped for WrestleMania 34. So we're talking all things Fastlane from Sunday night. We're talking all things Raw, SmackDown, 205 Live. And lest we forget, Ring of Honor had an outstanding 16th anniversary pay-per-view last Friday night as well. So we'll talk all about that uh, right here today on WrestleRant Radio. Of course, guys, you can check me out on the socials. On Twitter, at WrestleRant. You can find me on Facebook as well at facebook.com backslash graham.gsm.matthews and also on YouTube at youtube.com backslash c backslash Matthews. So, speaking of YouTube, real quick plug here. I will have an announcement up in the next couple of days regarding a big show I'll be attending uh, fairly soon in regards to where I will be going next. I've been going to wrestling shows in the states of Connecticut, New Jersey, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, New York, for many years now. I'm going somewhere I may or may not have been before very, very soon. So a big announcement in regards to that coming probably tomorrow on Friday or Saturday. So stay tuned to that on the Twitter and YouTube machines. But also, guys, if you haven't already if you haven't already checked out WrestleRant Radio on iTunes, what the hell are you waiting for? It's easier than ever to listen to WrestleRant Radio weekly on iTunes. You can go to nextdaywrestling.net and listen to the MP3 up there on the episodes, and I appreciate that. If you still do that, very much appreciated. Helps out the uh, the website hits and whatnot, but it's also a lot easier just to subscribe to WrestleRant Radio on iTunes. And here's what you do. You simply search up WrestleRant Radio on Apple Podcast, click on WrestleRant Radio, hit that subscribe button, you get every new episode as soon as they're uploaded to Podbean, literally within seconds. You could stream the entire show, and not only that, you can check out, if you missed it, last week's show, the week before that, my other awesome interviews and 
um, other you know co-hosts they've had on over the years. Over the last five years, dating back to October of 2013, not half the library is up there. Not not half the library is up there. Not even three quarters. The entire thing. Every past archived episode of WrestleRant Radio is available to binge and listen to right now on iTunes. So what are you waiting for? Go to iTunes right now, Apple Podcast, that app on your phone. Simply search up WrestleRant Radio, review the show, rate the show, all that stuff. Amazingly appreciated. But above all else, subscribe to the show to get those new episodes. Do it now. Pause, hit that pause button, and do it right now. And now moving forward, we're talking all things WrestleMania, WWE, Raw, SmackDown, 205 Live, and whatnot. Uh, real quick, a one-off news item that I do want to mention real briefly. It wasn't a big, it, it wasn't too newsworthy of a week as it has been in um, past weeks, so I won't be devoting too much time to news this week, um, but I do want to mention two things, actually. First, we've got our latest WWE Hall of Fame inductee, that being in the celebrity wing, Kid Rock. Yes, Jim Johnston is sitting on the sidelines weeping right now, coming off his release from the company late last year, but we do have Kid Rock in the celebrity wing of the WWE Hall of Fame. Well, this is hardly a shock. Uh, when the early rumors started in regards to who would be going into the WWE Hall of Fame this year, um, preliminary reports included Goldberg, Ivory, the Dudley Boys, um, and Kid Rock. And maybe someone else as well. No, I mean, it was speculated like a week in advance that Jeff Jarrett might be going in. So that was a big shock. Other than that, though, the whole class that we're getting this year was pretty much expected. Um, Kid Rock is hardly a surprise. He's also performing. I don't know. I mean, he very well might perform at WrestleMania this year. I had read somewhere that we're getting some sort of musical act as we always do at WrestleMania this year. Um, I forgot who it is or what it's going to be, but nonetheless, Kid Rock is um, one of the artists for the theme song of this year's WrestleMania Celebrate, the same song they used from WrestleMania 30, which was actually a pretty good song. He performed the WrestleMania 25, uh, the So Hot song, which I don't know if it's on the network or not. Um, I own the WrestleMania 25 DVD, and they took it off, probably because of music licensing issues and shit like that, copyright stuff. So if it's not on the DVD release, I find it very I find it very hard to believe it would be on the network. You know, the same company that does not put up Enter Sandman uh, by Metallica for all the old ECW pay-per-views for the Sandman's entrance. I doubt they would do the same thing for WrestleMania 25. So that very well might not be on there. But for those that watch that know what I'm talking about here. Um, but he's also performed the theme song, the original um, theme song for the American Badass Undertaker back in 2000. He's performed, WWE had said that he's performed live for them more than any other band they've brought in, which I find very hard to believe, and I know he's done it in recent years at Tribute to the Troops, at WrestleMania, and on Raw. I feel like Flo Rida hasn't beat. I feel like we've seen Flo Rida at least five times on WWE TV between his appearances on Raw, SummerSlam, and WrestleMania. He has got to have Kid Rock beat. I'm shocked Flo Rida's not going in this year, but... Maybe at some point down the road. He is much more worthy of, uh, of the honor than Kid Rock, in my opinion, but it is what it is. Um, speaking of news items, I do want to mention this real quick. It was reported coming out of the Fastlane pay-per-view on Sunday. It had nothing to do with Fastlane, but is kind of a weird pun now that I mention it. Um, now that I kind of think it over in my head. Jeff Hardy was arrested, I think over the weekend. It may not have been Sunday night specifically, but he was arrested for a DWI or DUI, whatever. Um, and he was three times over the legal limit for alcohol. So, 
uh, he must have been really fucked up. He must have been really fucked up when he got pulled over. And thankfully, no one was hurt. Jeff was not hurt. Um, I think a court date has been set for mid-April. Um, but this is all very interesting. Now, I know Jeff Hardy's been out hurt for a while now. Um, maybe that had something to do with it. But as far as I understand, he's been cleared for a few weeks now. I mentioned that here in the show a little bit, not too long ago, a few weeks ago, that Jeff Hardy could be back as soon as ever as after WrestleMania, as early as after WrestleMania. Um, what we do know is that I believe he had filmed some stuff for the Ultimate Deletion thing they're doing next week between Bray Wyatt and Woken Matt Hardy. So I don't know if they would edit out his scenes or if they'll keep him in there. I mean, just because he's a part of it doesn't mean he'll have to be back like the next week anyway. Um, he could very well still be a part of Ultimate Deletion and then be held off TV until this whole thing is cleared up. Now, DUIs and whatnot are not against WWE's policy. Um, they're very wishy-washy with this type of stuff. There's no real set standard for DWIs or DUIs. Um, when Jack Swagger got busted about almost exactly five years ago, he also had weed in his car too. The company did literally nothing except take his WrestleMania entrance away. Ooh, who cares? Um, they've done that for him. There was word that they might suspend him after WrestleMania. I don't think they ever did. Um, but he was also in a prominent quote unquote WrestleMania match that year. So maybe that's why they didn't want to take action or they didn't want to put the mat. They, they didn't want to put the match in jeopardy, whatever. Um, but someone like a Cameron, um, one half of the Funkadactyls, I believe when she got busted for a DUI a little over five years ago at this point, I think she was taken off TV for about a month or so. Cause I remember either her or Naomi or Brodus Clay doing an interview soon after the fact saying that because of that, the entire act was taken off TV, which sucked for them, but it is what it is when you're in a tag team or a stable like that. Um, so that, that was unfortunate, but I'm not sure if the same thing will happen with Jeff. I don't think he'd be fired, nor should he be fired. Um, again, I don't know what this means for his entering comeback. This could very well put that in jeopardy. He only has his, he only has himself to blame. I'm not uh, saying that Jeff Hardy was in the right here. That's a pretty terrible thing to do, especially when you're three times over the legal limit for alcohol. That means you were pretty fucked up. I'm not sure what was going on that night for Jeff Hardy, but I'm glad to hear he's okay. Hopefully he can get better. Uh, you know, he's likely relapsing. Who knows? He's been in a great place in his life for many, many years now, so I would hope he's not going back to that dark place that he had one point entered uh, multiple uh, on multiple occasions over the past number of years, but specifically last time back in 2011. Lest we forget the Victory Road 2011, um, you know, that whole instance, that whole incident back from March of 2011, almost exactly, wow, seven years ago at this point. But nonetheless, here's, hip, uh, here's wishing him a uh, speedy recovery on the road to recovery from this uh, relapsing or whatever it might be. That's purely speculation on my part. But before I move forward with my fast lane review from Sunday night, my quick thoughts on the Ring of Honor 16th anniversary show from last Friday night at Sam Towns Live in Las Vegas, Nevada. Overall, an outstanding show. Uh, Ring of Honor very rarely disappoints with their pay-per-view efforts. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not worth writing home about. Um, I thought this was a great show. Maybe even better than Final Battle, and I was at that show in New York City a few months ago. I thought this was a very, very fun show that set the stage nicely for their Super Card of Honor show coming up uh, over WrestleMania weekend. If I was going to WrestleMania weekend this year, I would really be torn. Because TakeOver, which I will not be talking about here on the show, 
Uh, though the card is set for TakeOver in New Orleans. They had their latest NXT TV taping last Wednesday, I believe. And it looks like the entire card is set from top to bottom. I've heard the card. It sounds absolutely incredible on paper. Uh, though then again, the Super Card of Honor show, which I don't know why they wouldn't just do it on Friday, which I think they've done in years past, but they want to compete with fucking NXT. Or, I mean, maybe the other way around as well, but I would have a tough time deciding. The Super Card of Honor show that took place last year in, I think, Lakeland, Florida, if I'm not mistaken. Not Orlando, but a little out of Orlando, not too far off. I went to take over last year, but I would have not have gone wrong if I went to Supercard of Honor instead. That was the same show that was headlined by the uh, the Broken Hardys and the Young Bucks in that ladder match for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles. Excellent match. Uh, so anyway, that looks to be an amazing show. I'll talk more about that at the end of this brief review of the 16th anniversary show. Um, but yeah, this was a really, really good pay-per-view. I did not have the chance to watch it live on Honor Club. Uh, excuse me, that was my computer going off there for a second. I got some update from fucking Illustrator. I got that set up for a class. But nonetheless, getting back on track here. Um, yeah, I could not watch the show live on Friday. So I lost power last Wednesday. Did not get it back until Friday. That sucked. Uh, that was not the reason I could not watch the show, though. I had power by the time the pay-per-view aired. Uh, I was working, and I worked all day Saturday, and then I worked early Sunday. So instead of watching Fastlane Sunday night, which I would watch on Monday afternoon with Jason, keep up with me here, I watched the Ring of Honor 16th anniversary show instead on Honor Club. So it's not on the Honor Club VOD section for the pay-per-views or the ROH on tour section. You actually have to go to like ringofhonorwrestling.com or rohwrestling.com, whatever it is, backslash watch. And it's there. So if you signed up for the Honor Club service, the VIP service, then you get it for free. It's a great deal. The quality is actually pretty good. They use like Vimeo or one of those live streaming services to do the live pay-per-views. I have yet to watch an event live. I did not watch Manhattan Mayhem live. I watched it the following day. I'm hoping to watch Supercard of Honor. Actually, no, because I'll be watching TakeOver. So maybe some other event um, soon after that. But the Honor Club app, which I will talk about at a later date, probably on YouTube or something, but so far, so good. I'm liking the app. I'm liking the service. There's a lot of great content up there currently. They should be, and I believe will be adding the rest of the ROH library from 2002 to 2011 at some point, or to 2010. I think 2011 to present day is up there, which is pretty cool. And only a few select shows from 2011, I, I think so, from the last time I checked. So that stuff should be added at some point according to ROH. But getting back to the 16th anniversary show, overall, top to bottom, a great show. The opener saw uh, saw Hiromi Takahashi taking on Flip Gordon, which I believe they have history from the recent Honor Rising shows from New Japan. I did not watch that, but the commentators filled me in on their history, which was pretty cool. The match itself was a lot of fun. Flip Gordon is really, really good. Um, I got to interview him very briefly. Um, for a school project, of all things, about two years ago at a chaotic wrestling show in Lowell, Massachusetts. Really nice guy then. Really got A really nice guy now. I got to meet him again a few weeks ago at Northeast Wrestling, which was a lot of fun. Again, really nice guy, uh, real nice guy to meet in person. But yeah, the guy has grown exponentially as a performer. He's only been in the business for a few years now, but this guy is going to go places. I know he said in a recent interview that his Ring of Honor contract expires later this year. He's a guy I could absolutely see 
snatching up an NXT contract if it presented itself. And it very well might. I mean, Flip Gordon, he's got some buzz right now between the ROH work. I think he's got a future ROH World TV title shot lined up at some point down the road. Um, But he's also quite a bit featured pretty prominently on the Being the Elite show on YouTube. You know, obviously promoted by the Young Bucks and uh, the entire Bullet Club. He's on that show quite a bit, and he's very good in the ring. So I would love to see Flip Gordon in WWE at some point down the road, uh, maybe as soon as later this year. I mean, hell, Leo Rush was in Ring of Honor for a cup of coffee. The guy was there for maybe a little over a year before he left and pursued his WWE dream. And he obviously has not been lighting the world on fire because of what happened late last year, but he still has a very high ceiling in terms of what he's capable of, whether it be on NXT or 205 Live, the main roster, what have you. But Flip Gordon, getting back, getting back to my original point, could be WWE bound as well soon enough if um, WWE is interested in wanting him. So anyway, very good opening match. We had Marty Skrull beating Punishment Martinez to uh, set himself up for a future Ring of Honor World TV, uh, not TV title match, a future ROH World Championship match, which he will get over Super Card of Honor weekend over WrestleMania weekend in a few weeks. Uh, Marty Skrull versus Dalton Castle. Should be a lot of fun. I would love to see Marty Skrull take the title. I don't expect him to, but that should be a lot of fun. So, great match here. Both guys are heels, but from an in-ring standpoint, this was a lot of fun. Uh, Speaking of the ROH World TV title, we had in a rematch from a recent episode of Ring of Honor TV. It was Kenny King taking on the former champion Silas Young. Kenny King was successful in retaining his title. And a good match. It was a good match. Nothing too, too great. And it was well-wrestled and all, but not a lot of heat here. Just It was good. Uh, the real focus came afterward when Kenny King was confronted, or interrupted, rather, by the returning one Austin Aries, the current Impact World Champion. Um, Austin Aries has not been seen on ROH TV in many, many years, probably since 2010, 2011, maybe. I know he did like a one-off ROH like house show many, many years ago in like 2015 uh, before he went on to WWE. But other than that, he has not been seen in ROH in a long time. I actually got my hopes up for an Austin Aries appearance in NXT back at Final Battle when I was there. He didn't show up, of course, though he did show up here. And it is great to have to see, I don't know if Impact and ROH have some sort of working relationship that appeared to be the case a little over a year ago. Uh, before the Hardys left TNA, they did appear they were doing the Broken Hardys versus the Young Bucks in some sort of Impact versus ROH storyline, uh, where they would trade talent back and forth. Of course, that fell through. Impact got new management. The Hardys left. That thing never really happened. The, we would get the Hardys versus the Young Bucks, just not in an Impact versus ROH environment. Um, the, we, we very well might get that here, though. From what I understand, from what Austin Aries said on a recent uh, teleconference promoted by Impact, he's not any—he's not under any current contract with the company, so he can go wherever he pleases. I know he currently wrestles for PCW and uh, all these other companies that I can't name at the moment. I think Defiant Wrestling, the old uh, What Culture promotion, he wrestles for quite a few promotions and holds gold from each of those promotions, including Impact currently. So, um, him coming to ROH to set his sights in the one title he can never win in Ring of Honor Wrestling, that being the ROH World TV title, is a pretty cool goal. Kenny King versus Austin Aries. Hey, sign me up. For WrestleMania weekend, that's a money match. 
Uh, SoCal Uncensored actually unseated the Young Bucks and Adam Page to take the ROH World Six-Man Tag Team titles in an awesome Las Vegas street fight. This was a lot of fun. We had interference from our machine Taylor, which was, um, you know, legal because it was a street fight after all. Um, I was not expecting SoCal Uncensored to take the titles, but I'm glad they did. If only because now Christopher Daniels can now call himself the first and only, today anyway, uh, Ring of Honor Grand Slam Champion. Now, when Ring of Honor introduced the ROH World Six-Man Tag Team titles in late 2016, that became their fourth title. Before that, I think they had maybe like the Pure Championship, but that was before even the TV title was introduced. So now we have a set Grand Slam Championship in Ring of Honor, that being the World title, the TV title, the Tag Team titles, and the Six-Man Tag Team titles. I think Taven is one-off. Matt Taven just needs the World Championship. Christopher Daniels is now the inaugural ROH Grand Slam champion, now having held the World Championship as of a year ago. Um, the TV title, the World Tag Team titles a few years ago, and now the Ring of Honor World Six-Man Tag Team titles, which is pretty cool. Um, also on the show, speaking to Matt Taven, we got Cody versus Matt Taven. They've had something of a feud recently in Ring of Honor. This was a pretty good match. Um, again, a lot like the, the, the TV title match, the real excitement came afterward where we had Barry the Bear at ringside throughout this entire match, and he was not really interfering, but, you know, having his presence felt throughout the bout. Um, in the ring, he comes in afterward to congratulate Cody on the victory, and then he shoves down Cody, and I had seen the spoiler online before I watched the show, so I wasn't too surprised, but it was still a great moment nonetheless. So he takes off the Barry the Bear mask, and it ends up being Kenny Omega. The crowd goes fucking nuts. Easily the biggest pop of anything on this show. So he throws the mask in Cody's arms and Cody's hands. Cody catches it. Bam! Omega hits the V-trigger, or the B-trigger, whatever it's called. Lays out Cody. Then Brandy Rhodes, who was also there ringside to support Cody in his match against Matt Taven, she kisses Kenny Omega, I believe, in retaliation for Cody kissing Kodai Ibushi recently. Um, I believe maybe over in Honor Rising. So there was that. Um, but yeah, this whole angle was great. Omega Cody over WrestleMania weekend at Supercard of Honor is going to be fucking straight fire. That's going to be a lot of fun. So this is a great build to that bout. Um, also on the show, we had the Briscoes beating the Motor City Machine Guns to win the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles for a record-setting ninth time. I don't think any other team has come close to holding the championship that many times. That's amazing. Um, again, good match. And uh, the right winners, too. The Briscoes have been killing it recently. I like the Motor City Machine Guns. Don't get me wrong. But the Briscoes have been killing it for months now as heels. So they should have taken the titles here, and they did. In the main event, saw Dalton Castle take on Jay Lethal and successfully retain his Ring of Honor World Championship. An excellent main event. I thought Cody and Castle at Final Battle, it was a good match. I don't know if it was the match uh, a lot of people were hoping for, um, but it was good. This was way better. Lethal has been the MVP of Ring of Honor for many, many years now. Probably dating back to at least 2015 when he became the dual champion and he was like the world and TV champion for a number of months, like a while there in late 2015. He was Ring of Honor, he was Ring of Honor world champion for a long ass time. And rightfully so, the guy was great and he still is. Um, I don't want to say he carried Castle, because Castle also had a stellar performance here, but Lethal continues to impress me. If the guy's not going to win back the world title, 
I say he should go to WWE. I don't know when his contract expires. Uh, maybe it was about a year ago at this point I had read that he re-signed with the company, but I feel like he's done everything in, w- in, in Ring of Honor. He's been the world champion. He's been, I think, the tag team champions. He's already been the TV champion twice now. It's time to move on. Do something new, dude. Uh, time to move on to NXT or WWE. Hopefully at some point in the near future, though. Um, at any rate, overall, this was a great show. Again, if you haven't already signed up for Honor Club, it's a great service, but you don't have to sign up to Honor Club to get the show for free. You can always pay full price, and it's well worth it. Uh, it was one of the better Ring of Honor shows I've seen in some time, and that's coming from someone who also enjoyed Final Battle, which I was there for, and the Death Before Dishonor show from, uh, I think, September of last year. But like I said, the Super Card of Honor should be a great show. I believe, I forgot what his first name was, but Ishii, the former Ring of Honor world tv champion i think he won the belt a few years ago um he's currently slated to appear on that show kota ayabushi will be at Supercard of honor um as i mentioned earlier we're getting marty Skrull versus dalton castle for the ring of honor world title and cody versus kenny omega which is the undisputed main event of that show so with those only with the only things being announced so far it's setting up it's shaping up to be a must-see event so I can't wait to watch it. Probably not live. I will be watching TakeOver. And that's purely because I looked at the spoiler card for TakeOver New Orleans. And it looks absolutely amazing. Like, it's 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 ridiculous how stacked of a card it is. And I can't wait to see it. But anyway, speaking of TakeOver, we move on to WWE. Their Fastlane pay-per-view from Sunday night, which I believe took place in Minneapolis? Uh, Was it Ohio, I think? Um, Dayton, Ohio, I believe it was, from uh, Sunday night. Overall, all things considered, I thought it was a good show. Uh, Way better than it had any right to be. The build on SmackDown, as I've been very adamant about in recent weeks, I've made no mistake about it, has not impressed me at all. The SmackDown writing has been very lazy for quite some time. Now, that being said, I thought this past Tuesday's show was pretty solid. I thought it did a good job of setting up multiple matches for WrestleMania. I'll talk more about that a little later on towards the end of the episode. Um, But for Fastlane on Sunday, quick recap here. The kickoff show, we saw Ty Dillinger team up with Brazongo to take on Mojo Raleigh, Chad Gable, and Shelton Benjamin. Literally a match that was made up at the last minute. Um, They did one quick like backstage interaction on the YouTube channel. Or maybe it was the kickoff show. I don't fucking remember. I don't care. They set up the match. It was a good match. It was a fine kickoff match. The crowd was into it. The baby faces won. But other than that, it's like these guys are just treading water right now. And that's fine for Dillinger. That's fine for Brazongo. It might even be fine for Mojo Raleigh because the guy might have some potential as a single star. Um, he had, you know, he cut some great promos in the lead up to that first match with the Zack Ryder at Clash of Champions. The guy was cutting some great promos on Twitter. Um, but ever since that feud died down and was wrapped up a little over a month ago, the guy's been doing nothing on TV. A whole lot of nothing. Chad Gable and Benjamin deserve way better. Um, it would be very cool to see them in that tag team title match at WrestleMania, also with the Bludgeon Brothers and the New Day and the Usos. I do not think that's the direction they're going in, nor should they. They have done nothing to earn a tag team title shot at this point. But it is a shame, because those guys are also really, really good. So hopefully they get a renewed focus coming out of WrestleMania. The actual show kicked off with Shinsuke Nakamura. No pun intended there, by the way, either, with kicking off and 
Nakamura, the Kinshasa. Anyway, Nakamura beating Rusev and what I thought was actually a really, really good match. Like, you talk about matches that were confirmed for the card at the last minute. This ended up being a lot of fun. Uh, Rusev being as over as he is obviously contributed to that, but the crowd was split here between Nakamura and Rusev. They were into this. Very good match. Not for a second that I think Rusev was winning, mind you, but purely from an in-ring standpoint, this was a lot of fun. Uh, Rusev also proved himself in an outing against the WWE Champion on Tuesday's SmackDown, AJ Styles, in another, in another enjoyable encounter. Um, further proving why Rusev is super underrated, and he should be featured more prominently, and not fucking thrown to the wolves and lose every match he's a part of. But anyway, um, hopefully we see more of Rusev again, a lot like with Gable and Benjamin, as I just said. Hopefully he is also the... Um, you know, he is also going to be one that will be focused more on coming out of WrestleMania because as it currently stands, the guy should be a much bigger player on SmackDown than he currently is. Um, but anyway, this was a real good match. Nakamura obviously winning, punching his ticket to WrestleMania against AJ Styles. Randy Orton shockingly knocking off Bobby Roode to win his first ever United States Championship, becoming a Grand Slam champion. In the process, the first ever one-on-one encounter between Orton and Roode. It was a good match, a little long at points and boring early on, but overall, it was better than I thought it would be. Um, Orton is a babyface, not interesting. Bobby Roode is a babyface, not interesting. They're over, but they're just not interesting as characters. They're not compelling as characters in the slightest. But as a match, this was good. Um, They worked well together here. I would love to see a rematch at WrestleMania. I know that won't be the case. I know it will likely be Orton, Rude, and Jinder Mahal in a three-way for the championship, but be as it may, uh, this was a very good match. And like I said, shocking. I did not expect Bobby to lose the championship so soon, but it was a cool moment for Orton. I would imagine that Mahal's probably winning the championship at WrestleMania, and that really makes me mad because he shouldn't because he's not that good. Um, I would much rather see the belt back on Bobby, but that's just me. Uh, A good match, nonetheless. So we had Carmella and Natalia he, uh, team up to take on Becky Lynch and Naomi in a match that meant absolutely nothing. This was filler at its finest. Now, from an in-ring standpoint, technically, it wasn't a bad match, but it's just like it didn't need to happen, and it was completely pointless. This just was a complete waste of time. Uh, Carmella and Natalia did win the match. Carmella cheated, or almost cheated to win. So Natalia was going to use the briefcase on Becky, and she didn't. She got distracted by Natalia. And then in the end, Carmella, I think, super kicking Becky for the victory. She would go on to beat Natalia, or rather Naomi, one-on-one on Tuesday's uh, SmackDown show. So she is building some momentum. Why now, as opposed to six months ago when she was real, real hot? Like, figuratively. Literally, too, but more so figuratively. Coming off her running the bank victory, and she was attempting to cash in on a few different points with James Ellsworth by her side. And I'm glad he's gone, but he did add a lot of heat to that act early on. At this point, she could not be any more irrelevant. And now she's picking up wins now, which is good. She's building momentum. But still, this should have happened months ago. She should have cashed in months ago. What Natalia's reign was should have been for Carmella. Now say what you will about her in-ring ability, but she doesn't have many months left that she can cash in that contract. And once Asuka gets her hands on that championship at WrestleMania, and you know she will... There is no way in hell Carmella is cashing in that contract and becoming champion. So I know she teased it on SmackDown, but I do not see that happening. 
Also on Fastlane for the SmackDown Tag Team titles, a renewal of a rivalry between the Usos and the New Day. Real good match here, stealing each other's moves. So the Usos did the Midnight Express or the uh, the Midnight Hour, I believe is the finisher, the name of the finisher for the New Day. The New Day performing the uh, Splash, where I think it was Xavier jumping over the shoulders of, I think Big E, I think Kofi Kingston was a ringside. I don't remember who represented New Day here. It might have been, I think it was, Co- yeah, it was Kofi and Xavier, because I know the Usos were trying to do, like, they did the boom, 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 and one of them tried to do the Trouble in Paradise, which was funny. Um, but before we can get a definitive uh, de- definitive conclusion here, excuse me, that was a tongue twister, we had the Bludgeon Brothers come out, wreak havoc, cause the contest to be thrown out, and lay out both tag teams. They laid out Xavier Woods with a brutal power bomb on the steel steps, and we were told that Jey Uso, Xavier Woods, and Kofi Kingston withstood uh, pretty some pretty major injuries in storyline, of course, at the pay-per-view, thus keeping them off SmackDown on Tuesday, where the Bludgeon Brothers teamed up to take on Big E and Jimmy Uso in a kind of a uh, weird tandem there, but they're teaming up to take out a common enemy, so it made sense, and that was also a fun match that the Bludgeon Brothers won. So we'll get more to that with our SmackDown review later on. Um, but this was fun, though, before the non-finish, which was disappointing, but... It does set up, hopefully, a three-way tag team title match at WrestleMania. A lot of triple threats at WrestleMania this year. Between the Usos, New Day, and Bludgeon Brothers, we've got Miz, Balor, and Rollins. Very likely, Orton, Rude, and Mahal. And maybe even Shane, Owens, and Sammy. It's triple threat to mania. Triple threat to mania in um, New Orleans this year. So that might as well be the title of WrestleMania because that's all this pay-per-view is going to be. Anyway, good match. And I would hope that not only do we get a three-way tag team title match between the Bludgeon Brothers, the Usos, and the New Day at WrestleMania, I would hope that it gets a ladder match stipulation, or even TLC. If there's any three teams that could recreate TLC from WrestleMania 2000, it's these three teams right here. And I have full faith they could steal the show with the stipulation. Now, it'd be a great match regardless, and I'm very much against doing the Oh, it's, it's WrestleMania time to do a fucking ladder match. That's what they've done in recent years. They did that for the tag team title match last year. And you know what? It's fine. In this case, I feel like it makes sense. I feel like it makes the match more interesting. And it's necessary. Uh, just because all three teams could fucking kill it at WrestleMania. And very likely steal the show if, you know, if given the time to do so. And if given the stipulation that ladders will be in play. So, fingers crossed for that. Uh, we had Charlotte Flair successfully defending her SmackDown Women's Championship against Ruby Riot on the show as well. Pretty good match. Um, definitely Ruby's best single showing to date. And she's always been really, really good. That was evident in her days in NXT. That was definitely evident here. Uh, taking Charlotte to the limit. A lot like the Nakamura-Rusev match from earlier on in the evening. I knew Ruby wasn't winning. You knew Ruby wasn't winning. No one expected Ruby to win. Um, that was very obvious early on when she hit her finisher to absolutely no reaction. Now, granted, it happened like three minutes into the match, which I don't even know why they did that spot, but she hit her finisher and the commentators were like, oh my god, we could have a new champion, even though no one's counting along like at all, because no one took that near fall seriously in the slightest. But it was a great match. Um, definitely one of the more memorable SmackDown women's title matches in recent memory, so good stuff there. As soon as the match was over, Charlotte was confronted by none other than Asuka, the 2018 Women's Royal Rumble match winner, 
seemingly setting in stone Charlotte and Asuka for the championship of WrestleMania, which is absolutely the right move. Asuka and Alexa Bliss for the Raw Women's Championship of WrestleMania is not a WrestleMania-worthy match. And it's been rumored for a while it's going to be Nia Jax and Alexa Bliss, which I'll get more to in my Raw review. But um, Charlotte and Asuka could, again, a lot like that SmackDown Tag Team title match, can be a real show stealer. Those two can go in there, maybe even kick off the show, and have an awesome fucking match. So I can't wait to see that. And then in the main event, you talk about stealing the show. By far and away, the best thing on this pay-per-view was the six-pack challenge main event for the WWE Championship between the defending champion AJ Styles, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Baron Corbin, Dolph Ziggler, and John Cena. Um, everyone had stellar showings here. I really like the way this was laid out. John Cena laying out everybody with the exception of AJ Styles in the first like 30 seconds of the match with attitude adjustments. That was really cool. Um, we had Owens and Zayn coming close to winning the championship. They were teasing tension. And then Shane McMahon got involved, and he prevented both men from winning the belt. Uh, Corbin and Ziggler brawling out into the crowd. I thought overall this was a great match. Uh, a really, really fun match. They had the right result, of course, with AJ winning and also punching his ticket to WrestleMania to defend his WWE Championship on the grandest stage of them all and a dream match for the ages between him and Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, but yeah, as for this match, I really, really liked it. I thought it was great. And like I said, by far and away, the best thing on the entire show. But overall, though, I will say this. I thought Fastlane easily exceeded expectations. With how abysmal SmackDown has been now for many, many months, um, I was fearing the worst from this show, but they ended up turning in a pretty decent effort, all things considered. Uh, there really wasn't anything bad. I thought the women's tag team match was a waste of time. It wasn't awful, but it was a waste of time. Um, everything else, though, I thought was either good, great, or excellent. So definitely check out those main matches from the pay-per-view. Otherwise, stay tuned for WrestleMania, because give me the green light. I'm ready to go. Just steal a line from Flo Rider from last year. Because uh, based off what we saw on this show, WrestleMania 33, 34, excuse me, is shaping up to be lit, as the kids would say. So anyway, moving right along into my Raw review from Monday night, March 12, 2018. We kicked off the night with Kurt Angle saying that Ronda Rousey was not in the building that night. Uh, for what reason? We weren't really sure. I know it was reported on Tuesday from, I think, Meltzer or PW Insider. I don't remember the exact source. But they were saying that Ronda Rousey had previous commitments in Philly to do some health thing, like a medical um, evaluation or whatever it might have been. So that's what she had going on Monday, which I guess Ward didn't get around to the WWE.com writers because they put up a whole article like a week or two ago saying that Ronda Rousey will be on every Raw before WrestleMania. Doesn't show up this week. I don't think she's advertised for next week or the week after. I've heard conflicting reports. But as soon as that happened and people realized it, they immediately took down the article. Woof. That's not a good look. She's only been here for three weeks, and she's already no-showing Raws. Obviously not her fault, but whoever put up that article not thinking twice about it and not doing their research, not doing their homework, is probably out of a job now because that does not look too good on the company. And I'm telling you, Ronda Rousey's true calling in this company will be as a heel. Because if she could play this up as a lot like with Brock Lesnar, where she's no-showing the shows on purpose, she doesn't give a shit about WWE. I know she's a, lo she's a long-time fan, which I know is genuine and, and legit. But she could always say that 
you know, I came from UFC to here because they were offering me more money and it's all about the money. And she's a legit badass. She can be a real bitch if she wants to be. So I still say at the end of the day, she will be a heel come hopefully WrestleMania 35 where she faces Asuka for uh, the Raw or SmackDown Women's Championship. But we'll deal with that when we get to it. In the meantime, uh, Kurt Angle was announcing that. And before he can go any further with his promo, Roman Reigns comes out, confronts Angle, and says, where the fuck is Brock Lesnar? He should have been. Okay, he didn't say fuck, but in so many words, asking Kurt where Brock Lesnar was, why he had special treatment, why he was one of Vince's boys, he said, which was comical. Ironing at its finest. Roman Reigns calling Brock Lesnar one of Vince's boys. Surely that was no coincidence. Surely that was done to take a shot of the Marks and the Smarks and whoever else calling Roman Reigns uh, a Vince McMahon guy. That had to have been done on purpose because if not, that is comical. Anyway, so Roman Reigns gets real heated. He goes backstage and confronts Vince himself asking him why Brock was not in the arena that night for Raw. So I thought this was well done. Um, as they had written, though, for Hidden Remote on Tuesday, don't be fooled. WWE really, really, really wants you to cheer for Roman Reigns. I talked all about this last week. Don't fall for it. They want you to cheer Roman Reigns, and it's not going to work. Maybe it will for you, but for a majority of the fans, they see right through this facade. They saw it when they put him with the Shield. They, they saw it when they put him with uh, Roman Reigns and, and Dean Ambrose, uh, Dean Ambrose a few months ago, to reunite the Shield. It was a great Shield reunion, but it was largely done to get people to cheer Roman Reigns. That's why they put the Intercontinental Championship on him. That's why they had him defend the belt every single week, because they wanted people to cheer for Roman Reigns. And now, they're doing it by having him pretty much channel CM Punk circa 2011, and, um, you know, cut, shoot promos and go backstage. And it's cool they're blending or attempting to blend, blur the lines between storyline and kayfabe. Or, or that's the same thing. Storyline and reality. Kayfabe and reality. Like, that's great. At the same time, though, we all know where this is going. Roman is beating Brock at WrestleMania to become the new Universal Champion. Now, predictability is not always a bad thing. And I'm not even saying Brock should retain but they really need to tell us outright that there's some doubt here regarding the outcome. Because as of right now, there's really not. Especially if Brock is leaving after WrestleMania, which I still think he might be. Um, but I, I thought the angle was well done, but they really need to figure out something where they're not doing this every single week. I know Brock is advertised for next week, and Roman Reigns is temporarily suspended. So they could very well do something next week where Brock is in the arena, him and Paul Heyman are talking shit, and then uh, Roman Reigns comes out to attack him. I think they'll probably keep them apart until WrestleMania, if not the go-home show before WrestleMania. So other than that, we'll likely not see them confront each other until at least a week before or of WrestleMania. And then, uh, they, you know, in the meantime, they might have Roman Reigns call out Brock Lesnar, and he doesn't come out. And it would be real shitty if they advertised Brock again for Raw tonight or on Monday night, and he does not appear again, because it really, I know what they're doing in terms of storyline, but at the end of the day, the Heat, from the fans in the arena who wanted to see Brock but don't get him, the Heat is not on Brock. It's on the company, because it's completely in their control, whether Brock appears on these shows or not. 
It's not a matter of Brock legitimately no-showing these Raws. Don't be ridiculous. It's a matter of them wanting Brock to appear or not wanting Brock to appear to further their own story with him and Roman Reigns, which I understand, but it's really fucking over the people that pay their hard-earned money to see Brock in person only to not get Brock Lesnar. So we'll see how this shapes out, but I get the feeling they won't be confronting each other until WrestleMania itself, or at least not getting physical until WrestleMania itself. After that, we had Sasha Banks beating Sonya Deville in a quick little match. Afterward, Bailey, who was in the corner of Banks for the match, she thwarted interference from Absolution. She walks off. Absolution says, your friend probably not coming back out now. And then they pounce on Sasha, they attack her, and that was that. That was it. So Bailey, being a bad friend, Sonya, or wanting, not, wanting nothing to do with the boss on the on this show was uh, Bailey. So we'll see how that shakes out. Though I will mention this here, though. I will mention this here. So it looks like we might be getting, we will definitely be getting at least four matches with the women at WrestleMania, which is great. We might be getting five. So we already know Nia Jax and Alexa Bliss, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, for the Raw Women's Championship. Already confirmed is um, Charlotte and Asuka for the SmackDown Women's title. Ronda Rousey is obviously in the mixed tag with uh, Kurt Angle against the Authority's Triple H and Stephanie. We now have a fourth match set for WrestleMania, that being the Fabulous Moolah Memorial Battle Royal. Any quick Google search will tell you how horrendous of a person the Fabulous Moolah is. One of the biggest pieces of shit in the wrestling business was Fabulous Moolah. From the prostitution ring that she ran uh, during her career to paying people off to make sure that she won and retained her championship, held on to that belt for as long as she did, for 30 years, to shaming black women's wrestlers, to bullying people, to not giving people a shot. She was the exact opposite of what the women's revolution, quote-unquote, is all about. She was the farthest thing from being a pioneer for the women. In what way was she a pioneer for women's wrestling? What, because she held a fucking belt for 30 years? Give me a break. Awful. Absolutely awful. And I saw someone tweet about this, I think on Tuesday. Joking, I mean, half joking, but half serious. Where it's like, WWE puts out this nonsense about the reason they don't want China or they, for now, won't put China in the Hall of Fame is because of all of her porn career. What if a kid goes on Google and types up China and they're presented with her porn career? We can't have that. What about the fucking fabulous moolah? What about this piece of shit? And they Google her name to find out all the atrocious things that she has been accused and confirmed of doing during her time in the company and even before the WWE and probably after too. Just an, an absolutely dreadful human being. Why the fuck you would ever want to associate yourself with that piece of shit, I have no idea. Now, I know they've acknowledged her before. They've glorified her before. And that's all fine and dandy. But naming a battle royal after her, when you have so many other women you could do that with, whether it's Mae Young, Trish Stratus, even fucking China herself, that would make more sense. You have the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, and then you have the China Battle Royal. I, I feel like that's a perfect fit. Why the fucking fabulous moolah? I was so happy when they called the Mae Young Classic the Mae Young Classic, because it had nothing to do with the fabulous moolah. Now we get this. 
It's such a slap in the face. And what's even worse is that they're likely directing all these women that I'm sure are well aware of what this woman had committed during her career. All these awful, awful things that she did. I'm sure the women of WWE of today are aware of all of this. Yet they're still told by management, tweet something out about how great the fabulous moolah was. How she was so uh, innovative for women's wrestling. How she was such a big pioneer for women's wrestling in WWE. It makes me sick. It makes me sick. From Ember Moon to Peyton Royce to Natalia, I'll blow and smoke up this woman's ass like she's the fucking second coming of Jesus was fabulous Mula with the way they were playing her up on uh, Monday's Raw and on Twitter. How she's like literally the greatest thing since sliced bread was the fabulous Mula according to WWE and all these women's wrestlers in the company. It, it was just sickening to watch. Absolutely sickening. And they're not going to change it now. They should. The backlash has been off the charts over the last number of days. And I'm sure it will die down a little because people just get used to it, but it does not take away from the fact about how such a slap in the face, how offensive and how horrendous it is to name one of your big women's matches that's supposed to be all about furthering this women's evolution. Naming it after such a vile human being, to me, is a step backwards for women's wrestling. I mention that not just because it's newsworthy, but going back to what I was saying before about Bailey and Sasha Banks, um, I feel like they will be added to the match. Um, I, I would love to see them face off one-on-one, and in that case, we would have five women's matches at WrestleMania this year, between the Ronda match, the two title matches, the Battle Royal, and that. I find it very hard to believe, though. I think WrestleMania 33 had maybe a dozen, if not 13 matches on the entire card. I think so far, with what we have set up for WrestleMania, we're going to be getting something similar, if not even a bigger card than that. And less is more. And it's cool they're getting all the women on the show, and even some women from NXT. Likely Peyton Royce and Billy Kay as well. Um, I think they were having their surgeries at the time the Rumble took place, which is why they weren't a part of that. Um, but I could absolutely see them being a part of the... Um, of this battle royal, I won't even call it what it actually is because it just it sickens me to even say it. But uh, I could see you know the iconic duo taking part in that. Bailey and Banks, I guess they could tell their story there with maybe one of them eliminating the other. But to me, the time to pull the trigger on a Sasha heel turn would be right now and have them face off one on one at WrestleMania. But I'm almost guaranteed. I'm almost a hundred percent sure. They're going to put them in the Battle Royal, which is why they've been interacting with Absolution recently, because Absolution will be in a two, along with fucking Dana Brooke and the and the Riot Squad and Carmella and Naomi and all the other... I know Carmella's already confirmed she'll be in it. The rest, we don't know yet. That was also sickening, too. Carmella on SmackDown this week said that she was the modern-day moolah. I would certainly hope not. I would, I would certainly hope not. Um, anyway, going back to Raw for a minute... We had Miz TV with The Miz, Seth Rollins, and Finn Balor, um, obviously descending into chaos with um, uh, Balor and Rollins going back and forth, teasing tension, setting up their WrestleMania match, and also a match later on in the night for the Intercontinental Championship, um, or their warm-up match, I should say. That match was not for the IC belt. Their match at WrestleMania is for the Intercontinental Championship. The match they had on Raw was merely a warm-up for said triple threat. Um, but this was good. This was real good. Miz played his role remarkably well here, being that just slimy heel that you just want to see him get his, and he did here, at the hands of uh, Rollins and Balor. 
They tease tension anyway, despite Miz's uh, best efforts to have them tease tension. They said, no, we're not going to do it. And they teased Engine anyway. They went after each other, and they had a good match later on with Seth Rollins losing to Finn Balor. So, real good match there. I think it's now Balor 2, Rollins 1. They had a match on Raw a few months ago that Rollins won, and obviously Balor won the initial match at SummerSlam 2016. So, hopefully we get a um, another encounter between the two coming out of WrestleMania, hopefully for the Intercontinental Championship. Um, also on the show, we had a big focus on the Raw Tag Team Division for once. It was supposed to be Sheamus and Cesaro versus The Miz Taraj. match never ended up happening. We had the entire Raw Tag Division pile out from the locker room to uh, brawl with the bar. And I thought for a second, I feared, oh no, we're getting another multi-team tag team title match at WrestleMania, which for the Bludgeon Brothers and the Usos and the New Day makes sense because they have history. They have been building it up real well since right after the Rumble. It makes sense. I'm fine with it. This does not make any sense. In what world does Heath Slater and Rhino and Titus Worldwide deserve another shot at the Raw Tag Team titles after the various countless losses that Apollo and Titus O'Neil have stacked up against the bar? In what world did they deserve another title shot? In no world is the answer. In no world did they deserve another shot. So I'm glad that won't be the case. Instead, we got a battle royal in the main event, and whoever won that would go on to WrestleMania to vie for the Raw Tag Team titles. So Braun Strowman said earlier on in the evening that uh, I destroyed Elias last week in his Symphony of Destruction. My path to WrestleMania will become clear tonight. And we had no idea what he meant by that. So he came out for the Battle Royal, eliminated pretty much everybody, dominated the field. It was a, it was a good Battle Royal. Made the Raw Tag Team Division look like shit, but whatever. As a match, it was fine. So as of right now, it has yet to be confirmed by WWE because they're probably waiting until Raw to figure out what the hell the deal is going to be. But as of right now, it is Sheamus and Cesaro versus Braun for the Raw Tag Team titles. So, I don't know if he's going to go on it by himself. I would hope not. The Bar are great, but I think Braun deserves a Tag Team tar. I, I know he could take on the Bar by himself. I realize that. But I feel like if Braun were to win by himself, and he should win here, um, the Bar don't really need the Raw Tag Team titles. Braun winning would be cool, but winning having him win by himself would make the Bar look like shit. After the great year they've had, having them get just squashed by Braun in a fucking handicap match would be shit. Um, giving him a tag team, giving him a tag team partner would be pretty sweet. In who I have no idea. I've seen some people actually say Lars Sullivan. That'd be pretty awesome. Though I would keep him down in NXT for a little while longer. Um, Samoa Joe is my obvious pick, and I'm sure I'm not the. I know I'm not. I'm, I know I'm not the only one who has said that and suggested it in recent weeks. Um, but Braun and Joe going for the Raw Tag Titles if Joe's clear to compete. But even if he's not, like if they really want to protect the guy and they want, don't want him in the ring for a long period of time. Like I think Nikki Bella had something similar where I think she was injured right before WrestleMania uh, last year. And they didn't want her really wrestling or taking any bumps. She was still in the match, but she did not wrestle a majority of it. Not as much as Cena did. So they could do something similar with Braun and Joe. And whatever gets them on the card at this point. They deserve better, but it is what it is. Um, also in the show, speaking of WrestleMania, we had John Cena officially calling out The Undertaker. So he did the same thing a few weeks ago, which got a great pop. And he said, that match, I have been told, is impossible. He never said why. He said on this show that they didn't even tell him why. Probably because the guy looked like he fucking retired at WrestleMania 33. That's probably why. Uh-huh, that's probably why it's not happening. 
or why he was told it was impossible in storyline. So anyway, the promo was really good. Um, the thing with Cena and Taker, and I've said it a million times, it's a match I feel that ship sailed a while ago in the ring. It could be a fucking train wreck and not the good kind. I can't say I'm looking forward to the match itself, but it is a battle of two of the biggest icons in WWE from the last 15 to 20 years. And the casual fans, the reaction to this in the arena on Raw this week was outstanding. It was the biggest pop of the night, like not even close. Between that and the Hardy compound stuff, uh, when they showed Matt Hardy's sons, King Maxwell got a big of a pop, as John Cena did, when he challenged The Undertaker to a match at WrestleMania, which is pretty amazing. Um, But anyway, so this was a good promo from John, and that match is set in stone for WrestleMania, which, again, is good. Um, It's a huge marquee money match. Though, as I said on Twitter on Monday, I hope, I really, 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 really hope they don't keep Taker off TV until WrestleMania. Very, very similar to what they did in 2015 with Bray Wyatt and Undertaker, where Bray Wyatt had to cut promos every single fucking week about The Undertaker. Where is The Undertaker? Where is The Undertaker? Oh, I accept your match for, you know, for a match at WrestleMania. But he wasn't shown until WrestleMania. Why? Why? What? Who cares? What, because he... he Went through the floor at WrestleMania 33. We just saw him on Raw 25 fucking two months ago. He's got to be on TV between between now and WrestleMania. They don't have much time. They have three Raws left. they got to bring an Undertaker. If they really want to make me care about this feud, I know it sells itself, but still. If they can really put forth an actual effort here to make me care about it through some back-and-forth promos, why is Cena calling out Undertaker? Other than him saying that he has an ego. Who the fuck cares? Why should I care about this match? Cena's a loser. Taker's a loser. Why should I care? Because they have yet to cross paths up until this point? That's fine, but mention that. You know, have a little... Have some promo battles here. That's all I'm asking for. Elias came out, blamed the WWE Universe for the injuries he suffered at the hands of uh, Braun Strowman. He got those hands last week and suffered some injuries as a result, and he walked off. Asuka beating Mickey James. We get Asuka and... Um, I think it's Alexa Bliss next week in Raw. The final deletion, ultimate deletion, whatever you want to call it, is happening next week. I am more excited for that. Maybe more than WrestleMania, but if not, it's close. That should be great. It was confirmed, too, that Queen Rebecca, his wife, Rebby Hardy, uh, his sons, Lord Wolfgang and King Maxwell, Senor Benjamin, uh, Vanguard One, the dilapidated boat, they're all going to be there. They're all going to be a part of the show. And I cannot wait to see how this plays out. I had read that Jeremy Borash was on hand for the taping of Final Ultimate Deletion. I keep on saying Final Deletion. That's the TNA version. Ultimate Deletion about a week and a half ago. I think this time a week ago. And I was told, not told, but I had read that he and the Hardys were happy with the result of what went down in the Hardy compound last week. So here is hoping it lives up to our lofty expectations. And um, that was about it. So we had Nia Jax beating some jobber. And then it was... Confirmed that we saw some footage of Alexa Bliss talking shit with Mickey James backstage about Nia. Nia went nuts. Reminded me a lot of the Triple H Batista evolution angle from 05 with Triple H being Alexa Bliss, Mickey James being Ric Flair, and Nia Jax being Batista, and 2018 being 2005. But it was a well done angle, and I already talked about the Raw Tag Team number one contenders battle royal. Um, from SmackDown, real quick before we wrap it up, uh, I don't have too much time here. Do want to just kind of condense my reviews here so we uh, can wrap up early. But uh, from SmackDown on Tuesday, I already talked about most of it, but AJ Styles and Nakamura went face-to-face. Good promo segment there to kick off the show. 
Um, AJ and Rusev having a good match. That AJ won by DQ after Aiden English got involved and Nakamura made the save. So I would imagine we are getting AJ Nakamura versus Rusev in English on next week's SmackDown. I already talked about the Bludgeon Brothers beating Jimmy Uso and Big E. Uh, Charlotte and Asuka went face-to-face. Good setup for their match at WrestleMania. Jinder Mahal beating Bobby Roode. Who cares? Carmella beating Naomi. Who cares? Um, I thought the show ended on a hot note, though, with Kevin Owens and Sammy attacking Shane McMahon. So Shane did say at WrestleMania it would be Owens versus Zayn one-on-one. That might change, though. I could see that changing, if only because they attacked Chain here. He also said he was indefinitely leaving his post as the SmackDown commissioner. Does that mean he's coming back as a wrestler in time for WrestleMania? So I'm not exactly sure what that means, but I find it very hard to believe that these two would team up, take you know, beat the shit out of Shane, take him out, and then they would face each other at WrestleMania. That makes no sense. So maybe it turns into a tag team match with Owens and Zayn versus Shane and the partner. It's not going to be Daniel Bryan. Stop getting your hopes up. I said this months ago. It's not happening. Move on. I don't know who the partner's going to be, but it won't be Daniel Bryan. And that was SmackDown. Uh, real quick mixed match challenge from Tuesday. We had Bobby Roode and Charlotte beating Rusev and Lana in the quarterfinals. They will next face a team that will be brought back via fan vote. So you could vote on what team you want to see brought back. Um, I would love to see... Rose Dust was pretty good. Um, I don't know if I would bring them back because they wouldn't win. Uh, maybe Jimmy Uso and Naomi or Bailey and Elias never really got a fair shake. So I would love to see them brought back for the uh, semifinal match against Bobby Roode and Charlotte. But next week it will be The Miz and Asuka taking on Braun Strowman and Alexa Bliss. So that should be real interesting. And then finally on 205 Live from Tuesday, we got the continuation of the WWE Cruiserweight Championship Tournament that will culminate at WrestleMania to crown a new champion. Uh, but also on the show, we get Hideo Itami and Akira Tozawa beating Grand Metallic and Lince Dorado excuse me, in tag team action. Good match there. Gentleman Jack Gallagher beating Murphy Meyer, some local jobber. Uh, fine showcase there for Gallagher. In the main event, Cedric Alexander and Roderick Strong. Now I talked about this last week real briefly that RJ and I had seen them clash um, for the first time. I think in WWE, maybe they, I'm sure they had more matches on the indie scene and Ring of Honor or whatever. But we saw them clash at an NXT house show in Boston back in November of 2016. One of the best matches I've ever seen live. Maybe not like top five, but it's up there. Definitely top ten. They had an outstanding match, and it was a lot of fucking fun. And I knew that if that match was any indication, they would go all out here. Especially under the under the new uh, management, under the new you know uh, control of Triple H, they would be allowed to go all out and have the match they were capable of. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Um, easily the best match I saw all week on WWE TV. If you're not following 205 Live or if you gave up a year ago, give it another chance. Now that Triple H is in charge again, the show has a much stronger focus on certain people, which is great. And the tournament's been going just swell, to say the least. It's been going amazingly well. Uh, this match might have been the best belt in the tourney to date. That's how good this was. Uh, Cedric Alexander did advance, beating Strong with an inside cradle. So he's going to WrestleMania to face the winner of next week's match between Mustafa Ali and Drew Gulak. And those two, uh, Alexander and his WrestleMania opponent, will battle for, as it's said, the vacant NXT, I almost said NXT, the uh, WWE cruiserweight championship nxt cruiserweight title will be hilarious because almost everyone in nxt is a cruiserweight but anyway that's neither here nor there 
Uh, so looking forward to next week's match between Ali and Gulak. So anyway, guys, thank you for checking out WrestleRant Radio. As always, we'll be back next Thursday with more on the road to WrestleMania, breaking down all the latest installments and additions to the WrestleMania card, which is shaping up to be an absolutely stellar show that I can't wait for. Between that, TakeOver and Supercard of Honor, it's going to be a hell of a weekend, which, like I said earlier, could be lit. as all the kids say nowadays. Um, but anyway, guys, as I said at the start of the show, be sure to find me on the socials on Twitter at WrestleRant, on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews, on YouTube as well. Stay tuned for that announcement, likely coming on Friday or Saturday at YouTube.com backslash C backslash Matthews. Next, AWrestling.net for full written reviews of Raw, SmackDown, Impact, Ring of Honor, Main Event, NXT, and everything else in between. And last but certainly not least, not only can you check out full episodes of WrestleRant Radio on Next Day Wrestling, but also on iTunes. Simply search up WrestleRant Radio on the Apple Podcast app. You'll not only get every new episode on Thursdays, but every archived episode as well if you subscribe today. So five years, four and a half years worth of content from WrestleRant Radio. All if you rate, review, and especially subscribe to the show on iTunes. So anyway, guys, have an awesome rest of your week. Enjoy Austin 316 Day on Friday, St. Patrick's Day on Saturday. We'll be back right here on iTunes and nextdaywrestling.net next Thursday for another all-new episode of WrestleRant Radio. Have an awesome one. I'm Graham Giusin Matthews, and I'll catch your ass on the road. Do